This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back. Final half hour here on 106.7 The Fan and the Odyssey app. I want to take a look at this piece that Ben Standig did in The Athletic, taking a look at the initial 53-man roster and what his thoughts are. I think it's an interesting look at how to preview some of these playoff games, or play, playoff games, preseason games. Who do you need to keep an eye on to see if they can make the roster? So we'll go through. I'll give you some of my notable additions to the team, notable exclusions. But we'll go through and take a look at who he has making the roster as of right now. And this was before the game against the Browns last night. But as of now, he has them keeping three quarterbacks, Hal Brissett and Jake Fromm. And I think that makes sense because of the new rule, which I think is a genius thing to do for the NFL. It just makes sense. You know, you have three active quarterbacks on game day, but one of them doesn't count against your active game day roster now because of the fiasco that happened in the NFC Championship last year. They don't want that to happen again. So you have to have that quarterback on your 53-man roster in order for him to be eligible to to be used like that. So I would expect them to keep three quarterbacks from being the third guy that, in case of emergency, you know, you can use him. So I would expect them to keep three, even though they probably won't ever see from. You do need to keep a third. But, I mean, we, <laughs> we've we seen so many quarterbacks here in D.C., so maybe we'll, we'll see from. <laughs> Hopefully not. Maybe we will. Running back, Ryan Robinson, A.G., Chris Rodriguez and Jonathan Williams. I think that makes sense for running back six receivers. Terry, Jahan, Curtis. This is where it gets interesting. Deami as well. But then he has Dax Milne and Mitchell Tinsley. No Casimir Allen, no Byron Pringle. I would disagree in this sense. I think Pringle's a lock. I already said that today. I think that Pringle is a lock to make the roster. And then behind that, I think the real look at this is... Obviously, Tinsley has shown some, and he played well last night. I don't know how you get Tinsley on here without keeping seven receivers. I just don't. Milne or Casimir Allen, I think, is fighting for the punt return, kick return spot, and I'm really hoping that it's Casimir Allen. 
I think he showed you last night how electric he can be as a returner. Just the burst that he has compared to what Dex Milne has. I would much rather see Casimir Allen. So I think those guys are fighting for that sixth wide receiver spot. The only way that I see Mitchell Tinsley making it, I guess, is if they keep seven receivers. I think Pringle's a lock, unless you want to say that they're not going to keep Pringle because they like the upside of Tinsley instead of taking the sure thing with Byron Pringle and maybe a lesser upside, maybe. I mean, Pringle, I think, could contribute for this football team if you needed him to. He knows Biennemi's offense. He knows all those things. It could help them throughout the season. But maybe they don't want that. We'll see. I think that Pringle, in my opinion, would be a lock for the roster, which would probably kick off Tinsley in this sort of scenario. So those guys are kind of notable additions, exclusions, but those are guys to keep an eye on. Pringle with a nice grab down the sideline last night. Casimir Allen was solid in his returns last night. Those are guys to keep an eye on. Dax Milne as well. Those are guys to keep an eye on and see how they do because they're kind of fighting for those last couple receiver spots. Tight end, Logan Thomas, John Bates, Cole Turner. I think that makes some sense. Offensive line, Charles Leno, Andrew Wiley, Cornelius Lucas, Braden Daniels as the tackles. And let me tell you, if Braden Daniels has to play tackle for this team at all this season, good luck. Offensive guards, Cosme, Charles, Chris Paul, and Mason Brooks. I like the idea of Mason Brooks making this team. I think that he has some potential. I don't think he's going to play it all this year, but he's got some potential. If you can continue working with this kid, I think that he can really be something for this football team going forward, especially with the uncertainty of the left guard spot. Centers, you got Nick Gates, Ricky Stromberg. No Tyler Larson. That's an interesting one, but I think that's why you drafted Ricky Stromberg. So we'll see. Again, you're rolling with centers, specifically Gates, that have an injury history, and you're hoping they don't get hurt. And that burnt them last year when they rolled with Chase Roulier and they rolled with Tyler Larson. And it burnt them. So we'll see if it works out this time. Then moving to the defensive side of the ball. Montez Sweat, Chase Young, James Smith-Williams, F.A. Obata, K.J. Henry, Andre Jones. I think that makes some sense. The guy you don't hear, though, but it's very interesting, Casey Tuhill. We'll get to that in just a second. Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Phil Mathis, and John Ridgway as defensive tackles. It's very interesting, Casey Tuhill left off here. I don't think you can leave Casey Tuhill off this roster. I just don't. I don't know who you leave off in turn for them. I think maybe you have to keep 11 defensive linemen. But I think that Tuhill is a nice edge rusher. Now, they're going to probably have to find room for Andre Jones Jr., I think you got to find room for this guy. I think he's got some potential as an edge rusher. He can help you on special teams. I like what he showed last night. So I think you have to keep him around. But I don't know if I would do it in turn of Casey Tuhill. You know, I, I think that Casey gives you a nice backup edge rusher that can give you some production if you need it. So I don't like the idea of leaving Tuhill off the roster, but we'll see. Looking at the linebackers, Jamin Davis, Cody Barton, Kalik Hudson, David Mayo. I don't think anything's surprising there. DBs. Kendall Fuller, BSJ, Forbes, Danny Johnson, Rashad Wild Goose at corner. We'll get into the guys left off here in just a second. Cam Curl, Derek Forrest, Quan Martin, Percy Butler, Jeremy Reeves at safety. This is where I would have to disagree as well. Sip Holmes was awesome last night. I talked about him in my studs and duds segment as one of the studs. 
I think that he makes this roster. He's been good all throughout camp. He was good last night. I think you got to keep him around. Again, this is a tough spot. It's nice that we have legitimate guys to argue about for that 53rd, 52nd man on the roster, right? It's nice to be arguing about some of these guys. I don't know who you're taking off, but you got to keep him around, in my opinion. You know, it was interesting to hear the way Craig laid it out. With some of that positional flexibility of Quan Martin, maybe you keep him as a safety slash corner because right now the way that Standig has it, he has five corners, five safeties. Quan is probably considered that middle tier where he can play corner if you need him. He can play safety if you need him to. And so maybe it's really keeping four safeties, five corners, and an X-factor kind of guy, like a guy that can play all of them. Maybe not X-factor, but a wild card kind of guy. You know, a guy that can play both positions, and that would be Quan Martin. But does that leave Rashad Wild Goose on the cutting block? I don't think you should cut Rashad Wild Goose. I think he's been a solid nickel player for you. I think that he's someone that could step in and help out. And if he needs to play with the ones, he's shown that he can do that without getting burnt constantly. I don't know. But at the same point, I'm not cutting Sip Holmes. I think he's a guy that can really help you out as well. So we'll see with these. This is where it gets interesting when you're watching these games, and that's why I brought this up. You know, And then looking at the specialists, it's Joey Sly, Tressway, Cam Cheeseman. But this is why I brought this up. Watching these guys is where it's going to be important. Obviously, you want to see how Sam Howell does. Obviously, you want to see Andrew Wiley take a step forward in the next game. And yes, you want to see the first-team defense and all those guys do well. That's obvious. You want to see what the starters give you. But if you need something intriguing to watch in the Bengals game or in the Ravens game, watch some of these guys. They're fighting for some roster spots on the back of these rooms, and I think they've got some quality players fighting for it. In years past, maybe not. I think this year there's a legitimate case that you could say that 56 to 57 guys should make the roster. Maybe a few more, maybe a few less. But I think right around there, you have some guys fighting for those last two, three, four spots, and those are the guys that probably are more interesting to watch than trying to break down what vanilla scheme they're running in week two of the preseason. You know, last night, you know, I've talked about this a little bit earlier, they ran a screenplay to Brian Robinson. That's not the screens they're going to be running all the time in the season. They have some more stuff up their sleeve. Some misdirection, throwback to the tight end, and various things. Things you've seen in Kansas City. They're not running that last night. You know, they're not running anything too, too crazy. You know, last night's just a simple sale route to Jahan Dotson. They're not running anything crazy last night to show what they have up their sleeve. But something that you can really keep an eye on, that you can really watch for, especially these last couple games, how do these guys at the back of the roster perform? And I thought Sip Holmes last night took a step forward and made it so that, look, if I'm having to choose a last cornerback, I might lean towards him. You know, these tight ends. What happens if Logan Thomas can't get back from these injuries? Well, you got two right now. You need another one. Who's going to be that guy? Is it going to be Curtis Hodges? I don't know. We'll see. Those are the things that I want to keep an eye on as we go forward into these last two preseason games because we'll definitely take something from the starters, but those guys are really fighting for a job. Those guys are going to play a majority of the game, and they're going to give you a little bit more to go off of, and so those guys are going to be important to watch.
Maybe they don't play a big role in the regular season. We'll see. But the depth is important. It is very important. And so where they decide to allocate their their roster structure, we'll see. You know, do they keep an extra wide receiver so that they can have Tinsley on the roster? He's looked good in camp, and he looked good last night. He's someone that, you know, maybe he's a practice squad guy, but do you want to take the risk of releasing him from your initial 53 and letting everyone else have a chance at him? We'll see. Again, these are things that you can keep an eye on if you're wondering, well, Sam came out of the game. What do I watch now? You know, if you're wondering something that you can keep an eye on when the starters are done, here it is. Here's the things you can keep an eye on. All right, we're going to take a break from the gridiron. And for the final segment, want to get into some Nationals baseball. MLB Pipeline put out a new top 100 prospects. The Nationals sitting somewhere they haven't sat since 2016. Some good things happening for the Curly W's. We'll talk about it next here on The Fan. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. segment here on 106.7 The Fan, the Odyssey app. Get into some Nationals baseball before we turn it over to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler for game two between the Oakland A's and the Washington Nationals tonight. So MLB Pipeline just updated their top 100 to include the latest draft prospects. And the Nationals, for the first time since 2016, when they had Trey Turner, Lucas Giolito, and Victor Robles, have three prospects inside the top 50. Number four overall in terms of prospects, Dylan Cruz, the number two overall pick out of LSU. Number seven in the top 100, James Wood. And number 43, Brady House. So a couple of things. Number one, Dylan Cruz already starting at number four just behind Paul Skeens at number three. Impressive, obviously. Having a guy that hasn't played much baseball yet at this level, already ranked as a top five prospect, already ranked as number four behind Jackson Churio, Paul Skeens, and Dylan er, and Jackson Holiday. It's been impressive to watch him so far in his time down in Fredericksburg. Now, if you get a chance, go check him out. We'll see when he comes back how long he stays in A-ball. But it was fun to go down there last week to go see Dylan Cruz, to go see Andrew Pinckney, Yo-Yo Morales, all those guys. Harleen Susano was on the mound. It was cool to see all of those guys. So Dylan Cruz ranks in at number four. James Wood moves down just a little bit. Ethan Salas, the only 17-year-old catcher, from the San Diego Padres leapfrogs him. And Junior Caminero at number six is someone ahead of him as well. But again, this is a guy that's a very elite prospect, and you're seeing it already with some of the power that he shows at the level that he's been at. 
20 home runs, I believe, between A-plus ball and double-A. Impressive power, especially in ballparks that are not easy to hit for power. So I think it's pretty obvious when you watch James Wood, this guy can hit for power. Now the question is, can he continue to cut down on some of that strikeout rate? We'll see. But he comes in at number 7. And then at number 43, making a pretty big jump, is Brady House, a guy that has hit at every level he's been at when he's been healthy. And that's the big thing for Brady House, is can he stay healthy? You know, last season, he dropped outside of the top 100 prospects as he continued to play while he was injured, and some of his numbers really took a hit because of it. Well, now he's healthy again, and he's hitting again. So these are the things that you need to watch for with the Nationals organization. Brady House, the guy, if you can keep him healthy, he's just going to continue to get better and better and better. And at some point, he's going to be your third baseman of the future. James Wood, Dylan Cruz, those guys could realistically be with the big league ball club by July, August of next year. And so you're going to get to watch these guys up close and in person here in the Navy Yard at Nationals Park wearing the curly W. And that's the cool part about picking where the Nationals did this year in a draft where the top two prospects were both college guys, it's that you're going to get to see Dylan Cruz relatively soon. You know, think about Brady House. I mentioned him. He's a guy that got drafted a couple of seasons ago when he got drafted in 2021. You're not going to see him. Maybe you'll see him next season. Maybe it's the season after that. More than likely, it's probably the season after that or late next year. That's four years you've had to wait. Drafted in 21 in the first round, a high schooler. And that's no problem, not a knock on anyone. That's how baseball works at times. But that's the cool part about drafting a guy like a Dylan Cruz. He's really not that much younger than what C.J. Abrams is, honestly. And he's a guy that's had time to hone his skills in the SEC. He's shown you that he can be a phenomenal hitter in the SEC ranks. I'd assume he's going to get moved up out of A-ball before the end of the season to at least high A Wilmington. I would hope that at some point he could maybe get up to double A before the end of the year, but maybe that's a little bit, maybe it's a little bit rushing him just a bit. But we'll see. I'm excited about these guys. You know, the first time, like I said, since 2016, that the Nationals have had three guys inside the top 50, that shows the growth that this prospect that this organization has had with its prospects. Obviously, Cruz is a guy you get to draft number two overall. Hopefully, you can get a guy that can help you like that. Wood is someone you get in a trade. But this is important that the Nationals can develop some of these guys that they drafted. Brady House, I think, is the ultimate example of a guy that you need to pan out. Obviously, you'd like Elijah Green to be in this same category and We'll see what he can do as he continues to come back from injury, and now he looks like he's going to get back to playing again. But you need someone from within the organization at some point that you drafted, especially in the first round, to pan out. It's been a while. The last first-round prospect they've had to pan out to play for this organization, it's been a while. It's been a long time. You couldn't name them off the top of your head without going back to Bryce Harper and Steven Strasburg, Rendon. You haven't had guys like that. And I think that's part of the downfall of this franchise and why this team hasn't been able to do what some of the other top teams who have been in contention for years and years and years have been able to do. 
Obviously, the Nationals traded some of those guys, like a Lucas Giolito and the Adam Eaton deal. That works, but you also have to have a deep farm system where you're hitting on your draft picks year after year after year. Think about how the Dodgers do it. They're willing to trade a couple of prospects because they know they got guys coming up through the ranks. I just mentioned Ethan Salas, and he jumped all the way up to number five, a guy that's only 17 years old, a guy that the Padres have. They traded darn near their whole top five in the farm system for Juan Soto, and they're still fine in the organization. Think about the way that the Orioles have gone about it, where they've hit on first-round picks, and now, despite having one of the best teams in all the majors, they have seven guys still inside the top 100 prospects in baseball. That's the way you do it. You have to be able to hit on your own draft picks. Yes, you can trade for guys. Yes, you can make a way of rebuilding the farm system that way, but you also have to have really quality players at the major league level, and the Nationals don't necessarily have that right now in terms of guys like Juan Soto, Trey Turner, Max Scherzer. Those guys can bring you back some really nice prospects, and that works if that's how you want to rebuild, and hopefully those guys pan out. But at some point, your first-round draft picks have to pan out as well, and that's where I'm at with Brady House. That's where I'm at with, hopefully, Elijah Green, those kind of guys. You know, if Brady House works out, and you drafted him, great. That adds on to the draft picks, or not sorry, the draft picks, the guys you acquired in the Soto deal, the Wood, the Hassel, the Abrams, the Gore. That's just the extras, right? If you can have draft picks continually coming in year after year after year that are effective, even when you're not drafting in the top five, you know, it's awesome to get Dylan Cruz. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to diminish that. And, don't ever take that for granted as a Nationals fan that you were able to land arguably the top prospect at number two, the best hitter in the draft, a guy that hit 400-plus in the SEC, and a guy that's on base percentage in his entire time at LSU was almost 500. So I would say keep an eye on what these draft picks the Nationals do as they come up. You need them to be good. You need these first-round draft picks to really pan out to make a difference for this organization. And that's one thing that was interesting we discussed on the Bustin' Lewis Baseball podcast. You can check it out on the Odyssey app, myself and Grant Paulson, is what do you think the Nationals should do going forward with Mike Rizzo and with Davey Martinez. Both of their contracts are up at the end of the season. What do you think they should do? And I think there's a real real storyline here where you look at the rebuild that's going on right now, and you just let both of them ride it out, see what happens. Now, I definitely would try that with Rizzo, a guy that has shown you he can build a World Series contender, a guy that was aggressive and made the right moves, and it worked out in 2019. You know, I don't know that you can blame even the years that they didn't win the World Series on the roster. I think the roster was good. I think it was just about managerial decisions or it just didn't work out, they didn't hit well, whatever the case may be. But I don't think you can blame it on the roster. I think you have to look at what Mike Rizzo has given you and be pretty happy with it. Now, if you want to push back on that, this is where it comes. The first-round picks. The draft picks have not been up to snuff with Mike Rizzo over the last couple of years. Really, the last seven, eight years, 
where you're looking at guys like Jackson Rutledge. You'd love to see him in the majors by now, but even so, what is Jackson Rutledge going to become for you? I think he can still maybe be a back-end starter. A lot of people project him only as a bullpen guy. It's not good enough in the first round. You need guys that can come in and contribute and help you, not just so that they can help your big league ball club, but so that you can trade them down the line for better players like they did with Adam Eaton when they got when they traded Lucas Giolito. Those sort of things you need to hit on to help you out. So we'll see with him, but I think I would keep him. The real question becomes Davey Martinez, and this is where it's interesting because I don't want Davey Martinez. I don't mind Davey Martinez managing this ball club going forward, but I don't know if I really want him managing the ball club when they're a World Series contender again. I think that he's really good in the clubhouse. I think he's a good leader. I think he gets the guys motivated. But I'd just be a little wary of that. You know, there are so many times that we question the decisions that he makes in-game. I just don't know that I want him managing another World Series team. But that being said, he's a World Series winning manager. And I thought he did fantastic in how he managed everything in 2019. So maybe give give him another chance. But I think if you look at this team overall this year, they've exceeded expectations. They've been much better than what they were last season. And they've taken steps forward. So maybe you build off of that with Davey again and just hope that you can take another step forward in 2024 and 2025. We'll see. I don't know. It's an interesting thing if you want to check it out. Our conversation, Grant Paulson and I, is on Bustin' Loose Baseball on the Odyssey app. That's going to do it for us today. Nationals baseball is going to follow us. Appreciate Linnell Willingham for joining us earlier in the show. Appreciate Craig Hoffman for joining us as well. Again, if you missed anything today, want to hear it again? Whatever the case may be. Rewind the Odyssey app. Check out the podcast my guy Connor's going to put up as soon as the show is over. Appreciate him and all the hard work he's been putting in behind the scenes. Had a guy tweet in and say he's never heard better bumper music than what my guy Connor's been playing today. So appreciate him. Appreciate all you guys for listening. For my guy Connor, I'm Toby Altizer saying thanks for listening. Nats Baseball up next. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time, baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.